welcome to Define the Relationship podcast, a podcast where we explore the relationship we have with the Bible and ourselves. I'm one of your hosts, Darlene Enstick. And I'm the other host, Ted Enstick. And as you can tell from our names, we belong together. I just defined the relationship. Welcome everyone to Define the Relationship podcast. We're on episode 12 and um, we've taken a, just a little bit of a hiatus in the last couple of weeks. So it's good to be back and we're back inside and we even made a fire this morning. So we're moving into fall. Sigh. Yes, we are. We are. We're, yeah. You might, uh, I'd be curious to know. As we get started here, it's been a while, and we're heading into this new season. We're trying to move church back indoors, which is a bit of a, if you saw my, I'm kind of giving the iffy signal with my hand, it's, uh, there's some anxiety around that and trying to figure stuff out. So how, how are you doing, Darlene, really? <laughs> you didn't tell me you were going to ask that. It's a gotcha question. <laughs> um, yeah, anxiety is probably a good, not anxiety like uncontrollable, but just this sense that there's so many things that feel very unstable and listening to the instability around me is, um, I sometimes worry it's kind of adding to my own sense of instability. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited to, I'm excited about some things. Mm -hmm. and what I feel, are you excited about? I'm excited about the studies that I'm doing right now. I'm excited about some books I'm reading. I'm excited about this chapter, actually. Mm -hmm. I was prepping a little bit and just finding lots of things to kind of underline and and want to dig into. So... And you're wondering how I'm doing too, Darlene? Oh, of is, that, is that what you wanted to ask me? <laughs> how are you, Ted? This You just asked me because you really wanted to answer it yourself. No, I thought, you know, it's been a while, so it'd be good to do a little check-in before we get into the meat of the chapter. Yeah, it's, uh, we're, I think, personally, I'm starting to move to a, a sense of acceptance that we're going to be wrestling with this reality that we're in for 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 quite a while now and so um part of that is just feeling okay let's if that's that's what it is then that's what it is um and the other part of that is um wow we might be under stress and feeling this low level anxiety around the decisions we make for a long time so that's continues to be very tiring so this is crazy also how, you know, um, when COVID started, we're like, well, I hope it's done in June because, you know, I've got all these other plans and some of our plans have been canceled, but we didn't want certain others canceled. And then it's like, wow, but by, by fall for sure. Right. And, oh yeah, I was thinking I was going to be in New Brunswick this fall and, and, you know, our timelines always get pushed back. Like, and then you hear, People saying now, you know, this is two to three years, one to two years. Yeah. And it just, okay, cool, cool, cool. This is where we, 
<laughs> so do we need some sound effects? Wah, wah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's... Let's settle um, in, folks. Let's settle in. It's... Yeah, it's it's actually quite humbling to look back and think about what our perspective was even a month ago about where we might find ourselves. It just... Um, this COVID-19 laughs at our plans and our expectations. <laughs> it just face. laughs at it. And so, um, yes, it's, it's a challenge. But let's, uh, you know, because we can't do anything else, let's get into uh, Pete N's book about how the Bible actually works because that will solve our problems. It will. It will. So, Darlene, you're going to um, kind of be the guide through Chapter 12, which is dying and rising for others and um, um, we continue Enz's theme of how um, as the Bible moves through from the Old Testament to the New Testament that we see um, this model of reimagining faith bringing a wisdom perspective to um, the history of the people of Israel and um, and we're getting into that kind of in a decisive way today as we talk about Jesus the de- and Jesus' death and resurrection. So um, it's not a long chapter, but it's a pretty decisive one. What's What do we need to, to know about? Well, at least to start, um, uh, the, the, the heading at the top is what is God up to? And I think in all of our conversations... Um, on this podcast, we're not just, you know, looking back We're we're always asking like, so what, what, how does this impact us? How do we, what has got up to and how does it impact who we are and how we engage with this God and how we engage with the, the sacred scriptures. And so just the really light question that Pete starts with in this chapter is why did Jesus, why did God raise Jesus from the dead? You know? Just uh, just a icebreaker. <laughs> um, you know what's the point of that? Why? Why? Why is that significant? And like he's like, is God just showing off, or like, what's what's? Why do that? And just just I'm gonna just bump in here. I just I loved I loved <laughs> his comment. Like, it's kind of like asking the question, why is there coffee? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> we don't usually ask that question, do we? Uh, no. So I don't know if some of our listeners have really pondered that. Maybe they have. Like, I, I think some people really think about those things. Um, and I guess the the movement in the chapter, and I'll just kind of give a little bit of it to... Uh, bring us along if we haven't read read the chapter. But this sense of a person dying, one person dying and being resurrected, is something that the Old Testament barely hinted to. It's not like a theme in the scriptures. Uh, f- so f- again, for the people that are living in in the first century and have their sacred scriptures, their Jewish um, 
religious people. They have scriptures that give them what they need for life. Kind of like how we have, we sometimes think we have these scriptures, we've been given them for life, you know, well, those scriptures would have had no inkling about, about a res, about a raising, about a resurrection, um, that would come from the dead. That wouldn't be something that they were like waiting for or like expecting. And so the, the metaphor that is used in the old Testament and kind of describes is about the return from exile. So we know, we may know that, you know, the people of Israel were exiled. They were like taken out of their land. Um, and that sense of loss of land is, and we know this still that that's death, that, that identity and story is so wrapped up in, in land and the people were taken away from their land and they experienced death. And then there was a promise that they would return to a land. And when that return, when that land was returned to them, that that would be life. So kind of like a resurrection, a raising from the dead. So there is, um, Um, there is that, that real sense of, of death and life, but more as a metaphor connected to land and identity and a people, Mm -hmm. right? And, um, and so Pete starts the chapter off by just kind of like laying that groundwork and saying like, when, when it says in Isaiah 40, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Um, the gospels in the new Testament, all four gospels talk, a reference that Isaiah 40 passage, that, that sense that Jesus is gonna, Jesus's ministry, what Jesus is about is going to have something to do with bringing an end to exile. And that will have connected to to the Israelites incredibly, that sense of something's going to be brought back to life. I don't and, know if you want to jump in. Yeah, that, I'm just yeah. thinking. So I think, um, and what's significant about that probably, if we think about it, is um, if this was the hope that the people of Israel had, mm-hmm. this is what they were expecting. Um, we were just talking a little bit about how sometimes our expectations can be so wrong and so distorted and and not really dealing with the reality they were expecting that somebody was going to come like a king just like david was a king in in the line of david and this king would basically come to power and would again constitute the people of israel and they would have their own land and they'd have their own ways of doing things and they'd be back to the way it was Right. Back to life. Back to life. Yeah. Because life meant going back to the way things were. Yeah. Going back to the land. So then... And just to, just to oh, just yeah. reinforce, I mean, like what you said, but instead, at the resurrection at the end of the story of Jesus, this person who was called the Messiah, the anointed one, was not a reconstituting of the nation as it was of Israel, but it was Jesus being raised from death back to life. And, um, and this puts it this way. So that's a rather significant shift in domestic and foreign policy. (laughs) 
um, it would have kind of, kind of for me, it's sort of sometimes it's like, well, how could they not see who Jesus was and what he was doing? And it's kind of like, well, when you're looking for something in particular and you don't see that, then it's easy to miss um, what's actually happening. And if they did um, have a sense of resurrection also from, from the Hebrew scriptures, it would have been like a future end time also resurrection, right? Of, of everyone to a new future outside reality. Kind of like the score would be settled in the kind of in an eternal way or in a final way, not some sort of interim thing, but right. A big, like massive whole end time resurrection. Yeah. So that was in their consciousness and the sense that maybe they would return to the land that was in their consciousness. But one person dying and being raised um, for everyone was uh, a a very serious plot twist, as Enns called it. Mm-hmm. It was a sharp turn. Mm-hmm. And why is that important? Um, it was like, you know, Paul says in. Um, in Romans three twenty four, that the church, Paul is saying to the, the church in Rome that you are now justified by God's grace. And then I love this. Pete says the significant earth shattering words there are not justified and are not grace. This earth shattering, shattering word is now. So it has already happened and this belief about this one person, this Jesus, um, who is fully human and fully divine is, um, the one to bring us back to life. Mm -hmm. Sounds like, sounds like a major reimagination of the faith. Exactly. So that again is, that's where ends is going is with why is that important? Because they had never, they didn't have any clues to that, that sense of where God was going. And then that became a part of that reality, um, entered into the imagination of, um, God's people. And, um, so this, what they had was a Jewish theology that's that they read one way, lived one way, and then um, in this time, then that began to shift, and that spiritual reality for um, Jesus to deliver something, something like now that is about life, and um, yeah. So I, so just to, to um, so Enns talks a bit about how Paul, as a faithful follower of Jewish faith, um, does not describe that Jesus has come to help the Israelites to follow the law, the Torah, better. Mm-hmm but that he's actually solving a different problem, and that is he's solving the problem of life and death, and that um, 
the problem isn't the problem of finding life is not that we need to learn how to do better at obeying so that we can have life, mm-hmm. but that God through Jesus is actually dealing with the curse of death, the that thing that hangs over everyone in humanity that, you know, um, I'm going to die or I even my relationships that I have can possibly die or my vocation or, you know, or I might lose my land to put it in kind of Israelite terms. Um, yeah. That universal sense of, of, of death, right? Yeah. For There isn't anyone living that, that doesn't, um, experience, experience it physically by, you know, in our life, but also in our, like, as you said, in relationships, in, in all manner of, um, ways that death is a metaphor for our experience. And so God, what God is really up to, Paul is saying is that God is reversing that curse for everyone. Hmm. Do you want to talk a bit about how, do you want to talk a bit about how that movement isn't a natural movement that we would expect from reading the Old Testament and following the life of the people of God in relationship to God, waiting for a Messiah, and then when the Messiah comes, um, like Enns puts it, says this, he says, the central event of the Christian faith is the resurrection of the Messiah and the defeat of death. But it isn't a part of the Old Testament trajectory. To see God doing such a thing is to radically reimagine what kind of God we are dealing with. Yeah. So this is a real paradigm shift for, for people. Some people were able to make that shift and kind of were on board with it. And other people are like, no, this doesn't seem to even fit anymore. Yeah, I think, I think as with so many things, it's hard for us to, I, I think, appreciate the drama of that mm-hmm. shift about how... Um, particularly if we've kind of grown up with the scriptures and the faith being handed down to us, it's just, Oh, Jesus died for our sins. Like it just sort of rolls off our tongue. Mm -hmm. We don't even like think about, think about it really necessarily. (laughs) And well, why? And, um, and so to place ourselves for one thing, to place ourselves into the, to the hearts and the minds of first century uh, Jewish, you know, sensibilities is like, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what, what matters mostly is that if we don't somehow see that things are changing, that the, that the plot is shifting and that some new stuff is coming into the, into the story, then we miss what we, a, we probably miss wisdom Mm -hmm. and we miss that, that it's continuing that, you know, we, when, 
when people say we just need to uphold the faith, mm-hmm. uphold the scripture, mm-hmm. what does that mean to uphold scripture? You know, it was, this is something that I think about because, um, what it means to uphold it is to, is to enter into this process of seeing what God is up to mm-hmm. and discerning it. And there was no clues in the Hebrew scriptures. So it's like there, we can't uphold it by just doing what it says. That's not actually not upholding it. Mm-hmm. Upholding it is, is reading it with wisdom. Yeah, it sounds it sounds a bit like if we want to uphold it, it doesn't mean just accepting something at face value, whatever that even means, because what we see at face value can be very different, people from different perspectives. Um, this is one of the things we learn um, in the process of um, the whole conversation around people who are from marginalized groups of people, be be it a racially marginalized or gender marginalized or whatever, is they often see different things when they come to a text that we would see in a different way. And so there's mm-hmm. a sense that one's perspective is really important into what you see. And in this case, it seems like holding scriptures, taking scriptures seriously means to really investigate and to really dig deep and try to understand what was going on and trying to learn as much about the background. And so it's really, a, um, it takes some heavy lifting, but it's also, I think there's something exciting about it because it's like, oh yeah, what does that mean that Jesus died on the cross for us? Like um, some people have presented that as simply like, it's a, it's like a, it's like a transaction took place, you know, like when you go to the store and you buy something, I give the person money and I, I get something back and Jesus died on the cross and I get something back. I get eternal life. This is what faith is about. And as ends digs into this, it's like, no, there's a lot more going on here. There's some, there's some mind shifts happening in people that, Oh, to have life means to have the land. And now Jesus is coming and saying, no, no, to have life is something much bigger than that. It goes beyond that. You even see that. I mean, I think of stories right off the, off the hop, like in the book of John, when um, the woman at the well um, talking with Jesus about water, and then Jesus says, well, I'm going to give you some water that's like, you'll never thirst again. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, where's this water? And Jesus says, well, it's not, it's not physical water. It's something much bigger than that. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, I want to have everlasting life. And Jesus says, well, it's something different than what you think it is. Yeah. Um, Anz also talks about like uh, the Apocrypha and one of the books in the Apocrypha. Do you want to say a little bit about the Apocrypha? We've we've maybe it's been referenced in the book before. Um, You're better at explaining that. Am I? Yeah. I don't know if I'm better at it. I mean, it's, um, if you, if you came from a more Catholic background, (laughs) yeah, if you came from a more Catholic background, you would notice if you looked at the Bible that is used by the Catholic church, um, includes what 
are known as intertestamental writings. So these are writings that come after what our Old Testament that we read has, but before the New Testament. And um, some of the books are like Maccabees and Tobit and uh, um, can't think of any other ones off the top of my head right now. But these are, a lot of it talks about stuff that happened 200, 100 years before Jesus was born. And we're very much a part of the religious literature of the people of Israel. Right. And um, See, yeah, I knew you do a good job. Was that a good job? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and a, so anyway, some of, the, some of the thinking that is present at the time of Jesus coming on the scene and being born, a lot of the thinking of the people that he's interacting with assumes knowledge of the apocryphal books. Right. And that's what I was just going to mention that, um, that because of some of those books, um, that there would have been an idea kind of floating around in, in the air at that time, by the time Jesus got there, this idea of suffering, um, on behalf of others, mm-hmm. right? Um, like martyrdom or right. people whose death actually provides something to the whole people, saves the whole people. Right. And we all, we also know that, um, you know, animal sacrifice and the laws in around purity and sacrifice and sin. And this is, all this stuff is like, there's a lot of layers of sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. And so... If we want to enter into that conversation with wisdom, there is like um, this beautiful multi-layered kind of invitation to to be curious about what God is doing in sacrifice, and the the whole shift thing in the plot is like, you know, okay, they're familiar with sacrifice, but like one sacrifice for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like and, and everyone. I, and I thought we learned early on in the wisdom of the Old Testament that sacrifice of human beings was not a good thing. Right. Child sacrifice. That was a big no-no. <laughs> and here it seems like we have a parent, God, sending God's son into the world to be a sacrifice. Yeah. What's cool? What's all going on there? <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. if it, and Maybe if we it's, now should make sort of brain exploding kind of <laughs> emojis, emojis. <laughs> yeah. There's it, it raises and, some interesting questions and, um, and it's not like, Oh, and in one sentence, here's the reason. And here is why you need to know this. It's, it's like, this is, this is for your life. So if you're mm-hmm. listening, it's like, this is, if it's, I trust that, for instance, that it's given to us, that it is, for me, it is absolutely central to my faith, but I will spend the rest of my life um, mining the wisdom of that. What is that, you know, what, how that sacrifice is important and what, what I should not take from that, that meaning. And there's, you know, theologians ever since uh, the first century have debated what 
it means, you know, when we talk about atonement, that's like, that's like, um, everyone trying to figure out (laughs) what's the wisdom of why God sent Jesus to die for us Mm -hmm. and why that matters. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think some of the ways that people have talked about it, frankly, have been damaging and toxic. Mm-hmm. And I think some the ways that some people are are hearing the message, the spirit on it is like liberating. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that's just that's that's part of our work. That's mm-hmm. part of our joy. It's part of our responsibility. Yeah, it's sort of just something that struck me in this conversation was, um, on one hand, I mean, the statement, Jesus died, um, Jesus died on the cross for you, or Jesus died on the cross for me. It's a very, very simple statement, rolls off the tongue, something that we, people will just continually say, this is important, and and at the same time, there's a need to kind of dive into that statement and say, well, what does that really mean? Like, what, what is the significance of the cross? Why the cross? Why not Jesus died because he got run over by a camel in the marketplace? He needed to die for our sins, so why not just, you know, an accident? Or why a did disease, he die of a age. disease or age? Or, you know, why the cross? And and so we start looking into what the cross is. The cross is the execution method of the empire. Is there something significant about that? And um, so much of scripture is understanding the, the tones and the undertones and um, backstory. And it's just, it's a, it's, it's really kind of an artistic, artistic process. And um, sometimes we may, I think maybe one of the things that can be a challenge for us is when we reject the simplistic statement, Jesus died for you, Jesus died for me. We just think, well, that's just not true. Or it's it childish. It, it's childish like, or it can't be true. And then we just sort of walk away from it rather than saying, okay, well, what's what's true about that? And, and what does that look like? And uh, it, it, it just, a story came to mind of... Uh, <clears throat> A story I heard from one of my theology professors um, in in college, uh, Helmut Harder, who was. Uh, yes, you've had a couple of shout outs to Helmut. Did I? Yeah. When did I? In this? I think you did. Oh really? Yeah. No, I think it was Gerald Gerbrandt last time. Oh, so okay. I mean, I'm going to go through all my uh, <laughs> all my college professors, but <clears throat> um, Helmut was a very understated, humble. Um, you know, not a very demonstrative, outgoing kind of person. And uh, he talked about being somewhere in, uh, I think maybe down south in the States and bumping into a fairly tall, bombastic, evangelical Christian, probably with a, a, a Texas drawl or something, and and bumped into Helmet and in the, in the midst of a conversation, simply asked him, have you been washed by the blood of the Lamb? <laughs> And uh, if you would know Helmet, he kind of would have been a bit taken aback by that. And I'm, I'm sure he would have a fairly um, sort of uh, not a simplistic response to what that means. Um, 
But he said he just sort of shrugged his shoulders and said, yep. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, yeah, he was, he, he could affirm that statement even though there was probably a lot more layers to what that meant for him and how he would understand that. But I mean, when it came down to it, he, he, he did believe that the blood of Jesus had cleansed him in a significant way, even though that was coming across in a very sort of like platitudish, uh, simplistic sort of way. And it was like, well, that's all you just need to affirm. And then it's, you're good to go. You're, you're, you're heaven bound. And what I kind of love about that too, is I, I know, I knew helmet as well. And like for such an academically minded, like deep, deep thinker, you know, to just sort of that, that's quite generous. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I think the reason that story can, I remembered that is because it just, recognizes that there's both sort of simple things that we've come to take for granted that represent the wisdom of faith. But there is a lot more going on there that if we investigate and are curious, we'd start to understand, wow, there's some, you know, um, there's some layers there that might really challenge us or some layers that would maybe open up freedom for us Mm -hmm. in our faith, you know, and well, you take that image of the cross or that, that statement of Jesus dying for you. And then you engage that with other parts of scripture, Mm -hmm. like, um, losing your life in order to find it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's just one that pops into my head, but like allowing the layers of it to begin to instruct your soul. Sounds like we've come to a, a bit of an ending point. We had, ta- um, we had talked about doing oh. two chapters together today and decided not to because the next chapter, chapter 13, is entitled Figuring It Out. Well, finally. <laughs> um, uh, but in this next one, we're going to, you know, uh, get at... Uh, slavery and homosexuality and women uh, or the role of women. So we thought maybe, maybe we should just have a, a separate episode for those, those things. We, we might need more than a separate episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks everyone for continuing to stick with us. And, uh, as we stick with you and, uh, we're coming towards the end of the book and we're getting into some stuff that we're probably really, these are the kind of questions and things that are, when we think about the Bible, that are the ones that really get in the way for us. So thanks for, thanks for joining us. See you next time. <laughs>